Dormammu, I've come to bargain. I loved that line from Doctor Strange. I don't know, something about that whole scene. I was like, that was, that was inventive and smart. And the very idea, without giving any spoilers for a movie that's, what, three years old? About how you sometimes, it's not about wearing somebody down. But it's that very often people don't recognize the trap that they put themselves in. They think that their style, whether it be the style of just brute force or um, you think you have leverage, it's always going to work as opposed to taking a look at the situation and asking yourself, is this the right place in the right time? Is this the right methodology? What is the expression to a hammer? Everything looks like a nail. This is the story of Australia and Google and Facebook, too. I'll explain. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Tony Katz Radio. Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com, including my latest piece about Rush Limbaugh. You'll find the link at TonyKatz.com. The piece is up, actually, at NBC News. I wrote an opinion piece, and NBC News said yes, please. You give it a read for yourself, and hey, if we we can bring the voices to other places, I think that's exactly what we should do. This story is out of Australia, where the Australian government made a deal with Google. Australia has been pushing the idea of something called the News Media Bargaining Code. And what that would do... If it became law, it would give Google and Facebook 90 days to create licensing agreements with qualified Australian publishers. Right? So here's Google and here's Facebook and people are posting uh, their content. And they're like, we're not getting paid for this content. It's getting shared around. We should get paid for this content. And Google and Facebook said, oh, who's a pretty boy? Yes, you are. Who wants a cookie? Who wants a cookie? Wait, it's, it's Australia. Who wants some Vegemite? Who wants the antidote to the poisonous spider? Yes, you do. There's poisonous spiders in Australia. It's crazy, I tell you. They want to get paid, and Google and Facebook were like, nah, nah, nah. so they said, okay, we'll make a law. Um, I'm sorry, what are you doing? We'll make a law. The new media bargaining code. You want to put uh, the content of qualifying Australian publishers uh, on, on your feeds and you're on your search? You pay up. Why shouldn't you pay up? Why should they be providing you free content? It's an interesting conversation. A very interesting conversation. Now, I will say to you that I'm not quite sure what a qualifying Australian publisher means. And I think there could be a lot of questions in that. But the story here is that if this happens, because lawmakers in Australia said, don't... Don't patronize us. Don't tell us no. We'll do this thing right now. We will do this thing. We will pass this. And as it started passing and started getting more and more attention, that's that's when the Google folk were like, "All right, let's let's sit down and 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 talk." Because if you don't make a deal, 
well, then there's going to be government-appointed arbitrators that are going to hand down binding decisions and decide how much you pay if you want to operate here. So now you're Google, and you're like, well, wait a second. We could just pack it all in. We could pack it all in and not operate in Australia. But is that good to our business model? You know, 68% of something is better than 100% of nothing. All right, let's negotiate. It's the same way they do a, a, a recall. An automobile recall happens when the cost of the recall is less than the problems associated with the problem. So if they had a, uh, a, a, a uh, an issue with, with a car, uh, something a seatbelt wasn't working, and it cost them $50 million to fix all those seatbelts. Well, if they only thought uh, they were going to have $30 million in, in lawsuit-related issues, maybe they don't recall it. But if they think they're going to have $180 million in issues, the $50 million is a bargain. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that um, you know every car uh, manufacturer is, is that callous. I'm saying that is the mathematics behind a recall. So Google has to ask itself what uh, it, it, it wants to do. Now, some people are in love with this. One of those people is Brad Smith. Who's Brad Smith? The president of Microsoft. Australia's proposal will reduce the bargaining imbalance that currently favors tech gatekeepers and will help increase opportunities for independent journalism. When Microsoft is playing itself off as the little guy, that's awesome. Like, that's how weird and crazy this all is. And if Australia were to succeed in passing this law, other nations could be like, huh? They mentioned specifically, uh, CNET specifically mentions Canada and New Zealand. Well, I could see New Zealand uh, doing it without question. And I could see Canada doing such, such a thing. And then you wonder how this spreads, and now this becomes a new standard. If you you own stock in Google, maybe you're very unhappy. But these countries and these publishers, oh, absolutely thrilled. And I'm digging a little bit more into it, I'm wondering if they have a point. Well, Facebook, they kind of went the other way. Facebook said, you know what? We'll call your bluff. We're not covering your stuff. What? Facebook banned Australian content. As is written on their site. Unfortunately, this means people and news organizations in Australia are now restricted from posting news links and sharing or viewing Australian and international news content on Facebook. Globally, posting and sharing news links from Australian publishers is also restricted. To do this, we're using a combination of technologies to restrict news content, and we will have processes to review any content that was inadvertently removed. So what Facebook said was, game on, now we don't share, you figure out what to do, have a nice day. But we'll still serve you the ad based on every which way we track you, even when you're offline and we tell you we're not tracking you, we're still tracking you. What is that, the the, the movie, um, it's, it's Cat's Eye or something like that, 
and it's like the three movies in one, and or maybe it was a Twilight Zone, uh, where the guy wants to stop smoking, and he goes to see these these experts. They're like, we'll help you stop smoking, and he ends up sneaking a cigarette, and they catch him right because they've got somebody watching him all the time. So they end up torturing his wife. Do you not? Do you know that movie? No, that sounds it, horrible. It's all oh, somebody's gonna let me know on social media. Somebody's gonna let me know on social media uh, about that movie, right? That that's 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 it. We'll we'll keep an eye on whether or not you're thinking of sharing anything. Boom! Just take that right out. Take that right out. So now, what do you think of Facebook? Facebook is so convinced that you are the product that how could you possibly have any rights? Your job is to shut your mouth. Your job is to be thankful that we serve you up this opportunity to connect with people in high school you didn't like and never got to have sex with. And people are just going to buy in. People are just going to buy in. They're going to be like, whatever. As, as, as long as I can still, you know, oh, oh look, there's, there's a cool new filter on Instagram. Very, very interesting how this is going to play out. This move could mean that the government of Australia says, okay, all right, you blocked us. Here, here it is. Google, you pay this. But Facebook, you pay that. As a matter of fact, maybe we block Facebook from Australia altogether. Oh, don't worry. We got smart people in Australia. They'll create their own. We'll be cool. We'll be just fine. Hey, you know what? Maybe this is exactly what those people who use Parler felt like. Maybe we should all get on Parler. That's a good way to share some information. You can follow me there at Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Joe Biden actually talked to Benjamin Netanyahu. And you said it wasn't going to happen. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. They discussed COVID and they discussed Iran. Now understand they've got a fundamentally different view on the situation regarding Iran. Because Israel views Iran as the enemy of free and thinking people and all humanity. And Joe Biden does not. Joe Biden is surrounded by people like Ben Rhodes, who lied to get the Iran nuclear deal through. Remember that. Ben Rhodes lied, fed stories to reporters who then wrote stories, and then they used those stories to push how important it was to have the Iran nuclear deal, which was never ratified as a treaty because Barack Obama knew it wasn't going to get passed as a treaty. So they just left it there in the ether as some kind of deal we have to be a part of. Trump properly left that deal because it gave Iran too much power. I can't believe this has to be discussed still. Gave Iran too many opportunities, when I say power, to go about engaging a nuclear weapon. Certainly, there was going to be no believability in the idea of observing and taking a look at what they were doing. They lie. It's like North Korea. North Korea tried to hack Pfizer to get access to the COVID vaccine. Now, raise your hand if you're surprised. 
No hands being up, we can move on with our day. No one's surprised. Of course they would. It's North Korea. There's, there's no shock in any of this. But do not understand that Iran is the enemy of free and thinking people. I am not giving, you know, a, a pass to, to the Turks right now under Erdogan. No one should. Turkey's dangerous. Because not only is Turkey dangerous in terms of being more eastward looking and giving up on being a, a part of Western civilization, if you will. I'm not, they're not giving up on civilization, but they're looking more towards an Islamist style. Remember, this is a NATO nation. They've got our hardware and a lot of it. They've got our hardware, and then they had the audacity to buy you the S, to purchase the SU-400 system. The SU-400 system is a Russian uh, missile system meant to take down F-35 strike fighters. You know who was helping build the F-35 strike fighter? The Turks. Well, that's over. And now you got to keep an eye on Turkey because there's a real problem with a trained military and our hardware. I don't keep my eyes off of Saudi Arabia. We should have dealt with Saudi Arabia when we had the chance. That's George Bush's fault. So we're all clear. I would tell the man directly. He would disagree with me and then we'd move on with our day. Saudi Arabia should have been dealt with. Look, I, I, if I got to do it in 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 the proper uh, old school parlance, I will do it in the proper old school parlance. My friends, listen. We're friends. We're going to be friends. We're going to keep being friends. But what happened here? Somebody's got to pay. You know, you know what you know what they say. You know the the the, the cops. You know what they say. Somebody's got to go to jail. Somebody's got to go to jail, guys. Somebody, somebody's got to pay. Now you can choose the cousin, or you can choose the prince, or you can choose the family. But someone's got to pay for what they did. You let those guys get on planes. Someone's got to pay. Now I'm not going to decide who. Right? If I decide who, it could get very messy. Very messy. You decide who. You come back to me with 24 names. 24 names. You want it to be 25 names? 24 names. You come back to me with 24 names. Someone's got to pay. It's just the way it is. It's just business. Someone's got to pay. All right? All right. But that wasn't done. And I'm not trivializing the deaths of 3,000 people on September 11th. That wasn't done. I'm still angry about it. I am viciously angry about it. But I got to deal with the world as it is today, and there's Saudi Arabia, and you'd rather Saudi Arabia on your side, and you recognize that Iran is the enemy of free and thinking people. The state sponsors of terrorism that they are, the issues that they are to the Middle East, they're still, their desire uh, for hegemony, for control of the area. Yes, you'll still have to deal with Saudi Arabia or Turkey and control of the Middle East, but at least you won't have to worry about the Iranians if you actually crush the mullahs, the hardliners, and the clerics and allow the people, the Persians, to be free. Ben Rhodes never understood that because Ben Rhodes somewhere is confused. 
as my people would say, for blungit in cup. Cup meaning head. It's the Yiddish. For blungit meaning, well, for blungit, messed up, crazy, ridiculous, a fool. And he is. And so is Biden. And so is that entire team that doesn't understand how to recognize an enemy when they present themselves to you. This is what happens when you're too busy being woke and spend no time being aware. This is what you get. But they had a good conversation. It was warm and, 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 and friendly. Isn't that nice? Did anybody ask why it is that Jen Psaki, the press secretary, can't say that Israel is an ally? Why couldn't that be said? It's a weird thing not to call Israel an ally. We call the UK an ally. I would. I'd call Germany an ally. I'd call Japan an ally. And we had to beat the living snot out of them. We went from absolutely destroying their entire universe to calling them an ally. I think that says great things about the United States of America. So why this? But can you please just give a, a, a broad sense of what the administration is trying to achieve in the Middle East? For example, does the administration still consider the, the Saudis and the Israelis important allies? Uh, well, uh, you know, again, I think we uh, there are ongoing processes and internal interagency processes, one that we, I think, confirmed in interagency meeting just last week. To- the answer is yes. Any answer other than yes is this huge red flag to my gosh, there's been a change. And of what value is that change? What value is the Ben Rhodes School of Anti-Intellectual Foreign Policy that celebrates the Iranians and puts down the Israelis and the Saudis? Now, if you start getting to a conversation of, well, you know, Tony, the foreign aid we give, I'm not discussing foreign aid. You want to give less foreign aid? That's fine by me. That's not the conversation. The conversation is, are they an ally? Iran gets kid gloves, but we don't speak out and say Israel and Saudi Arabia are allies? This is what you voted for, America. It's pretty ugly. I'm Tony Katz. Senator Cruz makes a statement. Now, this... I don't know. I don't know if everyone's going to buy into this. Let's start with the story. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Ted Cruz went to Cancun. Now, you know the problems with the weather in Texas and the pipes in Texas and the the, the energy. We're, we're going to talk to Chuck DeVore from the Texas Public Policy Foundation and really dig in on what's been going on and where are the issues and what are the learning lessons uh, here. But it's freezing and the gas lines are frozen. People don't have power and they don't have heat. And it's been going on for days. It might go on for a couple more days. Ted Cruz got on a plane to Cancun. Ted Cruz got on a plane and flew to Cancun, where it's warm. Now, if you say to me, well, what is the senator supposed to do? Well, I didn't say the senator has to sit there and pedal a stationary bike and get all the power going. I'm saying you don't go to Cancun. It is ridiculously horrible optics. It's just 
awful. There's no other conversation at play here. And what I said was, unless his wife and another kid were already down in Cancun and he was flying his daughter down there to be with him, and then he was coming back, this is terrible. This is the kind of stuff that keeps you from getting reelected. This is. This is the kind of stuff that gets people crazy. Now, it's not as bad as Andrew Cuomo killing people. But this is just as a visual, as an optics conversation, everything you don't want. He flies down to Cancun. Then it came out. Then it came out that... uh that his his ticket back, he's coming back the next day. He's coming back today. He flew out yesterday. He's coming back today. Comes out from the airline, a source, meaning somebody leaked the stuff. He was supposed to come back on Saturday. He changed it to come back today. Oh, yeah. He was he was getting out of town for a couple of days to get some warmth. I mean, that's that's just the facts. A terrible look. He puts out a statement. This has been an infuriating week for Texans. The greatest state and the greatest country in the world has been without power. We have food lines, gas lines, and people sleeping at their neighbors' houses. Our homes are freezing and our lights are out. Like millions of Texans, our family lost heat and power too. With school canceled for the week, our girls asked to take a trip with friends. Wanting to be a good dad. <laughs> Can we just can we just take a moment? <laughs> oh, this is not going to end well. You know what? I'm clearly doing this wrong. I got I, I got I to do this part right. With school canceled for the week, our girls asked to take a trip with friends. Wanting to be a good dad, I flew down with them last night and I'm flying back this afternoon. My staff and I are in constant communication with state and local leaders to get to the bottom of what happened in Texas. We want our power back, our water on, and our homes warm. My team and I will continue using all our resources to keep Texans informed and safe. Um. Uh. Um. Uh. That's insane. Stop. Stop. Pro- prove me wrong. Wait, what's what's the Steven Crowder bit? Change my mind. <laughs> Change my mind. Are you insane? Where can you get away with that? Oh. Oh my gosh. It is Honestly, if that statement doesn't make you uncomfortable, you're dead inside. You really are. You really are. And I love it that there are people out there who are like, this isn't a big deal. What, what, what are you kidding? Eric Erickson is, is a, a fellow radio host. Nice dude. I have filled in for him in, in, in Atlanta. The fact that people think Ted Cruz, United States Senator, can do anything about a state power grid, even his own, is rather demonstrative of the ignorance of so many people who cover politics. They'd rather performative drama than substance. That's not the argument, Eric. The argument is you don't skip town. The argument isn't why hasn't he picked up a socket set and gone out and fixed the heat? (laughs) Right? What is this, fast times? 
My dad's a TV repairman. He has the most ultimate set of tools. <laughs> That's not the argument. But the better part of that story is that who responds to Eric? Chris Cuomo. That's going. Fredo himself responds. And I swear, this I cannot make this up. Nope. I wouldn't have this much ability for satire if my life depended on it. There's Eric Erickson saying that you shouldn't be angry with, with uh Ted Cruz, and you know, it's it's not like he can fix the power grid. It's 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 so ridiculous. Chris Cuomo, Fredo himself responds substance is being present and responsive a senator calls governor's office or different state agencies it absolutely can help motivate action better than being on vacay in a crisis chris cuomo is going to talk about substance when he interviews his own brother and makes light of coronavirus and makes no mention of the nursing homes and no questions about the policies? When CNN allowed him to interview his own brother, the governor of New York, he's going to talk about substance? You're a phony. Hey, this guy's a great big phony. Holy cow, this day just keeps getting better and better. There is not enough bourbon out there to explain how good this all is. I I often sit with, with, with producer Ari and our executive producer, Matt Hiblin, and, and uh, uh, Allison, who works on, on the show, uh, on my morning show, and we'll, we'll discuss the subject. And every now and then, I'll be like, how could, how could someone do this? How could someone say this? How could someone think this? Man, this is everybody. Politicos you agree with, politicos you disagree with, people you like, people you hate. Everybody's lost their damn mind. Lost their mind. Ted Cruz is 100% wrong, and that excuse is bull you know what. And Fredo. Oh, oh Lord. Oh, Fredo. But what is going on in Texas? And how come they have no heat? And what's the real story? Chuck DeVore, who lives in Austin, from the Texas Public Policy Foundation, he's up next to break that down for us. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. So as we've been discussing Texas, it's more than just, oh man, look what's going on over there. It's a story about what went wrong. What is it that we think is working that actually isn't? Exactly how tenuous are the systems that we rely on every single day and how do we improve upon them tony katz tony katz today 833 got tony 833-468-8669 chuck devore joins us right now he is with the texas public policy foundation i know chuck from his days as an assemblyman in california one of the first people i ever knew uh, to move to austin he is now in the cold 
dealing with this issue of no heat and no power, although he may have it, others don't, and taking a look at, well, what actually went wrong here and where are the problems and where are the lessons? He's the vice president of national initiatives at TexasPolicy.com. Let's start with the basics, sir. Uh, How cold are you? How cold is it? What's happening in and around Austin and all around Texas right now? Well, it's 31 degrees outside. Um, I, I have a propane tank, uh, and uh, if I let the heat on its normal, uh, you know, what we like to keep it on, it probably would have run out by now. But we put the thermostat down into the uh, mid-60s, and, and I probably have maybe seven days left of propane at the current rate. So the roads ought to be clear by then, and we ought to get refilled. Um, the power may be cut anytime soon because we have a lot of ice-laden branches uh, that threaten the power lines in my in my oak tree covered neighborhood. So we'll see. So far, so good. But I hear branches crashing down every few minutes outside. So it's a little unnerving. So this but, is not uh, the snow. This is ice that's doing all this. Uh, well, the ice has uh, caused a fair amount of the damage, and of course, uh, for a while, it got down to three degrees um, uh, one night, and I think five degrees the next night. And so, Texas homes just aren't built for that sort of weather. Um, certainly, not in the majority of Texas. Maybe up up north in the Panhandle, they are, but not down here. I mean, uh, so look, w- what happened? Uh, there, there are two basic things that we have to discuss, uh, and it's very important to get it right because the environmental left and their friends and the corporate media are really spinning hard to lay the blame on Texas's traditional uh, thermal plants. That would be coal and and natural gas, natural gas providing the preponderance of power. And what really happened is a little more complex. Um, It it actually goes back uh, quite a long time because there are policies at the federal and state level that greatly underwrite the cost of putting in wind and solar facilities. So as an example, Tony, we've had some 20,000 megawatts of installed capacity for wind and solar in the last uh, uh, in the last five years, while at the same time losing about 3,000 megawatts of uh, coal and uh, natural gas, a net. So you had, for example, premature uh, decommissionings of coal plants and et cetera. Now, when you have more wind and solar and you have less coal and natural gas, uh, what then happens is your your margins of safety, your reserve margins start to get very, very tight because wind and solar can't be relied upon to generate electricity in these extreme uh, weather events. And so that then led into Sunday night, Monday morning, when the temperature plummeted, and pretty much as forecast, by the way. And ERCOT, which is our independent system operator here in Texas, it's a nonprofit, uh, you know, grouping of all the different people who participate in the electrical market, including a lot of wind power people, by the way, uh, was a, was kind of asleep at the switch. They should have started some rolling blackouts right there, because our uh, demand was soaring and the generation capability was dropping. In fact, in in the case of wind turbines, uh, they were producing even less than. We anticipated because some of the turbines froze up, uh, literally froze with the freezing rain. So what ended up happening is a couple of thermal plants uh, were inadequately weatherized. They uh, went offline. And as a result, the grid became unstable. And that tripped more power plants off the line because when your grid becomes unstable, 
the uh, the electricity in the grid could literally damage things like transmission lines, uh, substations, and even power plants. Uh, it's really bad. So grids go unstable when you have more demand than you have power generation capability. And that's why ERCOT should have engaged those rolling blackouts. And then to add insult to injury, one of the areas ERCOT blacked out was the substations out in the Permian Basin out in West Texas by Midland. That shut down the natural gas deliveries to the power plants. Uh, it went from 16 billion cubic feet down to 4 billion cubic feet. So the gas plants that were operating were then starved of fuel. Uh, so and the let's... problem with these big gas plants is that once you shut them down, even on a hot day, it takes hours to get them back up. Hold on. on. a cold day, days. Let's take a step back while I only have a few minutes because that's a lot to absorb. Talking to Chuck DeVore yeah. of the Texas Public Policy Foundation. I want to get into where uh, is there a idea of blame here or is there a subject of learning here? You, certainly we've learned that you can't simply rely on green. You have to have those other methodologies, those tried and true, what they call fossil fuels or whatever, available and ready because green cannot be trusted in a disaster. Neither can the batteries that hold the power that they generate. Then there's the idea of human error. Which one here is the biggest problem outside of the biggest problem, which is, man, you got some terribly cold weather. So I would lay the blame at the policies at the front end. In other words, if if we had a, a few more coal-fired power plants and if we had a little less in the way of wind, then the incompetence at ERCOT would not have come into play. There would have been a safety margin that if they were slow to, to pull the trigger to begin rolling blackouts, there would have been a buffer. And we probably would have seen far more mild effects than what we than what we saw. You know, ERCOT predicted this. If you look at their worst-case scenario planning uh, document uh, for this winter, uh, they were within 2,000 megawatts of the demand that we saw Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, 2,000 megawatts low. Um, so, so they saw it coming. Their, their own planning documents knew that this was a likelihood. But we had some plants down for maintenance because our peak season is in the summer, so you're going to take some of our power plants down and, and, and do needed uh, repairs and maintenance to get them ready for the hot summer. And, uh, you know, the, the wind wasn't generating what it was supposed to. Uh, and so at the end of the day, uh, there was no margin for error whatsoever. Uh, but there was a lot of error. Then, yeah. There was, a, there was a lot of error. Yeah. It, it, and it, it, it's, not, um, it's not an easy fix from a, a policy standpoint because a lot of the politicians – are fearful of the general public who have been told that wind and solar are great, right, and that it's cheap. And what they haven't been told is that they're not reliable and they're not resilient, and they wouldn't be cheap if they had to pay for that reliability and resiliency. For example, if wind farms had to pay for big battery farms to back them up or they had to pay for a natural gas plant to be prepared to go online, when the wind dies out, when they were on, you know, expected to be producing power. And the fact is, Tony, that, that their intermittency, those costs are then socialized to the rest of the grid uh, and the ratepayers, you know, people of Texas, end up paying for it. So yeah. wind and solar get to produce power whenever the heck they want to. But then when the grid goes down, uh, efforts to 
prevent the grid from going down, those costs are assigned to the ratepayers, not to those intermittent suppliers that caused the problem in the first place. Chuck, we're going to have to leave it there for now. We're going to part two this conversation next week because 